Aloha and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph continues with part two of his message entitled, Holy Spirit Peace. We're still in Ephesians chapter two. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Verse 13, he says, Now you belong to Jesus Christ, or to Christ Jesus. Remember we talked about when it says Christ Jesus, it's talking about the Lordship, and we surrender to him. And it says, Though you were once far away from God, now you have been brought near to him by the, what's it say? Blood of Christ, blood of Christ. Here's another scripture reference, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, For God raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. We have become one with Christ Jesus by being baptized into his death. This is why water baptism is important. And as we have been joined with Christ, the Bible says that we are seated together with Christ in the heavenly realms. Now, if your understanding of heaven is that it's nine million miles away, you look at this verse in a figurative way and you think that someday I'm going to be seated with Christ in the heavenlies. But that's not what it says. It says you are currently seated with Christ in the heavenlies. The verse we were just reading in the passage that we're studying today says we've been brought near to Christ, to God through Christ. How near? Well, it says that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father right now in the heavenly realm. What is the heavenly realm? The heavenly dimension. And from everything I'm getting out of science, you know, they're saying that there, there are multiple universes occupying the same place. And it suddenly starts to line up with what the Bible has said, is that there's a spirit world and we're in it, although we can only see the physical dimensions of it. And we are with Christ we are united with Christ and we've been brought near to God. And this is why we can pray and we can pray effectively. And, and, our, and our prayers do change things. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. And, and, and no power that we have, all power that he has. But we're near to him and he hears us. And all, it's all because we've been brought near because of the blood of Christ. But here's the deal. You're sitting next to somebody whose life was radically transformed at the point that they said, I believe that this act was really an act of God, and through this act, God made it possible for me to be forgiven for everything I've done wrong in my life. And at the moment that that person believed that and embraced it as their own, then something happened to them. They were transformed in their character. Now, you, you know, we've, we've all seen it. We've, we've prayed with people who, who were, were addicted to hard drugs and in a flash were not addicted to drugs anymore because they prayed except to the Lord. But we've also seen, and I can't explain why, people who are addicted to the same drug except the Lord and they're not delivered from the drug, but what they are delivered from is the desire to do the drug. And so now you got one cocaine addict that suddenly is set free. You got another cocaine addict who's not set free, but he certainly doesn't want to do it anymore. Something happened inside of him. There are others, they still struggle with the anger, but they got this heart that says, I don't want to do this anymore. Now, now what happened? Well, they were born again. So the Bible says they were adopted into God's family. They have a new nature. Something happened in them. And it all centers on 
the blood of Christ. Now, how does all this work? Well, I don't know. I've only been a Christian for 53 years. I don't know. I know in the Old Testament, there was, there was, there was, there was, there was, there was prophetic action that described what Christ would do on the cross. There was the Passover lamb that was, that was slain. Everybody puts their hand on the head of this little lamb, and then they slaughter the lamb and they barbecue it. And the idea is our sin is being transferred to the lamb. And the Bible calls Jesus the Passover lamb who died for the sins of the world. It was a prophetic action looking forward to Jesus. People were putting their faith in God to forgive their sin. There was the, 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 the atonement every year where they would go to the Ark of the Covenant. Remember Indiana Jones? The Ark was there and, and they, would, they would go and there's a thing, a little basin called the mercy seat on the Ark. And in the Ark, in the box, was the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. And none of us can keep the Ten Commandments. So the, the, the law accuses us and condemns us. And, but they would come and they would sprinkle blood as a, a covering. A covering what? It covers the law and it protects us from the law. And by faith in God, we are somehow forgiven of our sins. There's this word, mystery. There's the mystery of godliness. There's the mystery of what Christ did for us on the cross. How does it work? What's the mechanics? I don't know. I can give you a lot of theology, but I don't know the mechanics. All I know is, is that I'm looking at a room of people, most of whom will tell you, my life was radically transformed one day because I put my faith in what God did through Christ on that cross. And it's changed my family. It's changed my outlook. It's, it, it's made me, uh, I, I'm, I'm way better off financially. I mean, one of, the, one of the problems that you have with missions is you go into third world countries and, and people who, who have no ambition to do much of anything or doing drugs or doing alcohol or sitting around at the, the Kava Bowl in the South Pacific and they get saved and they stop doing that stuff. And, and suddenly, as a, a generation later, they're so well off financially that they're unable to communicate the gospel to the people that they used to hang out with. And, 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 and so there's this problem of this, this uh, sociological lift that comes along with the gospel that makes us have to keep starting new generations of church to reach the people who are without the Lord and without hope. So there's a transformation that comes because we've been brought near to God. Is that getting anywhere. We want to talk about Christ himself being our peace. It says in verse 14, for Christ himself has made peace between us Jews and you Gentiles by making us one people. Now that is actually true uh, according to the intent of the whole paragraph here. But if you, if you succinctly translated what Paul wrote in the Greek, it would say this, Christ himself is our peace. Christ himself is our peace. You, you, the, the, the peace that you're looking for, peace of mind, peace of heart, and peace with your neighbor, you're going to get as you surrender to Christ. Christ himself becomes our peace. As he fills your heart and mind, then peace becomes a part of you. It goes on and says, He has broken down the wall of hostility that used to separate us. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Somebody asked Jesus a question trying to trick him. What's the most important commandment? And they're trying to get him to single one out so they can attack him and say, you know, that's the wrong one. And he says, the most important commandment is easy. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Then he says, by the way, the second most important commandment is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when it starts talking about a wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, it's not just that. It's a wall of hostility between you and anybody else. 
It's a wall of hostility between you and some atheist that mocks God. If you, if you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to love that person. You're going to wear them down with love. If there's struggle in your, in your marriage and you love the Lord and you're willing to love your, your, your neighbor that's your spouse as you love yourself, then it's not going to be hard for you. You know, one of the best pieces of advice that anybody ever gave me, a pastor once told me, that, that you know what you ought to do? Is you, is you need to learn to lie if you want to have a good marriage. And, and I go, what? And he goes, you need to learn to say, I'm sorry, even when you think it's your partner's fault. <laughs> because saying, I'm sorry, even when I think it's her fault, when I know it's her fault, <laughs> ends the fight. And why let the fight be there and destroy all the hopes and dreams that you had? Say, if I love the Lord, I'm willing to lay down the sword. We got into a deal. There's a, there's a person who's a prominent person in the gay community. And uh, this person, somebody that, that works with them, uh, became a Christian in our church. And, and they went down and they started trying to share the Lord and what have you. And, and, then, and then they started getting all this mockery all this open scorn in the workplace. And so they came to me and they said, what do I do? My, my boss is just, just tearing me apart for being a Christian. And I said, well, you go tell your boss that your, your pastor uh, says that he loves gay people and that gay people need God and that gay people are welcome to the church that he pastors and that your pastor can't understand how somebody who works in a job that openly espouses uh, liberal causes and liberal values would be a religious bigot. And that I would like to have lunch with him and I would like to discuss the fact that I'm supposed to be one of these right-wing believers and I'm not bigoted toward gay people and he's supposed to be so liberal and he's bigoted toward Christians. And go invite him to lunch for me. And that ended the argument. And that got the person to respect their Christianity and all of that. But you see, love can be a weapon. Love can be a weapon that breaks down walls of hostility. And if we learn to do it and we learn to live it, we can change the world that we live in. Am I getting anywhere with this? Well, it goes on and uh, drop down with me to verse uh, 17 and we'll see if we can hurry this up. It says, he has brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles or to you people who were far from him. The word good news, the gospel, is, is what it means. Uh, actually, the English word is Godspell. Remember, there was a, there was a musical called Godspell. And, and what it actually literally means is good times. God has, has, has brought to us this good times of peace. The, the, the gospel is the announcement of God's good times. Uh, the good times of peace to you Gentiles or you people who were far away from him and to us Jewish people who were near but not quite there. Now all of us, both Jews and Gentiles or, 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 or Filipinos and Hawaiians and Englishmen and Irish people and whatevers may come to the Father through the what? What's it say? Same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And I talked today about the knowing Holy Spirit peace and and it comes down to this. It's, it's, it's not church. It's not Hope Chapel. It's not religion. 
It's, it's the Holy Spirit working in your heart and the presence of the Spirit of the Lord that's going to cause peace to rule and reign in your heart. And I gave you a couple scriptures on the screen, and I'd like you to turn to one, and we'll end with it. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. Romans is, uh, just go backwards in your Bible a few pages, and you'll stumble into Romans. Romans 8, verse 12 says, So dear brothers and sisters, you now have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you keep on following it, your sinful nature, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it and its evil deeds, you will live. Now, stop for a moment and think about this with me. The Bible says that no one can become a Christian except for the Holy Spirit draws that person to the Lord. And so... We always get in confusion when somebody said, God spoke to me, or the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, or the Spirit of the Lord led me, or whatever. And everybody goes, oh, that never happened to me. Because immediately we put something on that, and we think that God yells at you from heaven, or he speaks out loud, or whatever it is. But I want to bring us all the way back to basics, because there's so many of us that sort of feel like we're sub-Christians. You know, that, that we, we've accepted the Lord, and he's in our life and, and we're on our way to heaven and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But we don't live like it because we sort of are down on ourselves, and we have poor self-image and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. You put it in your terms. How did it happen to you? Whatever in the world it was that went on in your brain that caused you to say yes to the Lord. I want to tell you that's the voice of God. If you say, I felt a strong emotion, if you say, I felt a conviction, if you say, I, it just all of a sudden seemed right to me, if you say, I, it, it felt like there's a little voice in my mind that was telling me, yes, go for this, whatever that was, then I want you to know you could not have become a Christian without having had that interaction with the Holy Spirit. And that was the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is what it sounds like to you. And I have a suspicion that God speaks differently to different ones of us, but partly because of our, our personalities are so different. You know, there, there are some people that are very emotional. I, 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 I'm just, I'm real cerebral. And so God has to address me in certain ways that, you know, other people are real sensitive to the Spirit. It's like God's got to yell and scream at me to get my attention. And, 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 but God will work in different ways. But however it was that that, that day it happened, that you processed you may have heard the gospel five times, 25 times, but one day something in your mind went clunk. Whatever that clunk was, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do you agree with me? So you've heard God. Now here's a second point. It says here that you don't have any obligation to live out your sinful nature because it'll destroy you. And then it says, if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you turn from your sinful nature and its evil deeds, you will live. Now, the, now we've not only heard God, now we have the opportunity to, to look back in our life and review, when did we experience the power of God? Because some of us say, I've never experienced the power of God. Oh, yes, you did. When you were tempted to do something that normally would have just been, that's where I go. You know, when you're in that position that, that it's like, oh, it was just there and... And it was just like a piece of cake and I was so tempted and I just, <laughs> but listen, 
You, you, when, when temptation came your way and something inside of you said, no, I don't have to do that anymore. And you went ahead and didn't do it. You just encountered at a low level the power of the Holy Spirit. Beginning stages. You, you've, so now I can tell you, you know the voice of God and you know the power of God. Now you can sit here and say, you know, I never felt anything. I never... No, 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 no. Something happened to you or you wouldn't be a Christian and something happened to you where you say no to things that you used to say yes to and you've encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what, what do you want to do? Well, I want to mature. I want to grow. I want to get used to the voice of God and I want to get used to interacting with the power of God. Understanding that I have no power in, invested in me as, as, as a Christian. Only the Holy Spirit has power, but I have the Holy Spirit in me as a Christian and that changes the whole look at the world. Are, are you with me in this? And so in the next verse goes on and says, all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Now, that, that's actually kind of, uh, uh, scientists call it a tautology. It's a circular argument. All who are led by the spirit of God are children of God, but all who are children of God are led by the spirit of God. And, uh, you know, you, you, you get into, I, I, I did a lot of reading on Darwinism, and even the Darwinists say that Darwin's theory is a tautology, and therefore it can't work. It's, it's a, you know, it's, it, where did life come from? Well, life came from, a, 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 you know, some sort of a primordial swamp of organic matter that rearranged its molecules and life sprang forth. But how do you have organic matter without having dead life to make organic matter? And, and so this circle just keeps going around and it doesn't work. Well, this is a circle too. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a child of God. You're, but you're a child of God because you were led by, by the Spirit of God into being a child of God. And it, and it goes on around and around. But, but watch, it has a starting point. It's you didn't used to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. You got led by the Spirit of the Lord into the Lord. Now you become a child of the Lord. And now because you're a child of the Lord, you're led by the Lord. And the more you're led by the Lord, the more you know that you're a child of the Lord because you experience it. And, 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 and watch. You got to get this or the whole sermon just falls apart. <laughs> I come into a relationship with the Lord because he leads me. Now I'm a child of the Lord. I've been adopted into the family. Okay. Now as a child of the Lord, he leads me into some kind of behavior. And as I look at that, I can go, well, man, that confirms it for me. I really am. This thing is really real in my life. And then once I get there, he leads me into something else. And, then, and that makes it stronger. And then he leads me some more. And it's a kind of an upward spiral that keeps going around. I, I come to these points where I acknowledge this is real, man. God's doing these things in my life. And then he leads me further. And, he just, and it just keeps going. And I keep getting further and further and growing deeper and deeper in my knowledge and my trust in him. And I start to have peace with God. Verse 15, you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. And some of us as Christians feel like we're God's slaves and he's this master far off in the sky. You should behave instead like God's very own children who've been adopted into his family. The day that you said yes to Jesus and you changed your allegiance from Satan to the Lord, you were adopted into his family. You should be able to call him father, dear father. If you could read that in the original language, it's not even written in Greek. And the New Testament is all written in Greek. And they go and they borrow an Aramaic term here because the Aramaic, Aramaic language, which is what Jesus actually spoke, had a little softer term for daddy. 
And it says that we should actually be able to call him daddy because he loves us so much. And then it says, for his Holy Spirit, again, here's the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ. Jesus said that he would come back to us again as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and he tells us that we are God's children. That's the message of peace. That I'm God's child. I belong to him. And then it goes on and says this wonderful thing. Since we're his children, we'll share his treasures. For everything that God gives to his son, Christ, is ours too. Since I'm his child, I've been adopted into the family. Then what my older brother, Jesus, has is available to me. And all of a sudden, my prayer life begins to have attached to it endless opportunity. Endless opportunity. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my grandchildren. You know, it, it, it dawned on me. Uh, I, I won't even get into that. But you, 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 can, you, can, you can pray things into the lives of people. One of the things that I'm learning to do is, we, we heard it yesterday in the seminar, is, you know, uh, somebody got up here and, and said, when you're praying for your community, don't just pray in generalities. You know, you always get the people who, what are you praying for? World peace. Well, bite off something a little smaller, something that you can chew on, something where your faith can interact with it. Let's pray against graffiti in our community. Let's pray that a few drug dealers get arrested this week. Let's pray that some violent men become believers and, and, and surrender their heart to the Lord and change. Our, our prayers, the Bible says, the effective prayer of a righteous person avails much. The treasures of God are made available to us in Christ. How? Because the Holy Spirit is telling us that we're God's children. And when we can get that down, all of a sudden, I got peace with God. I got peace with you. I got peace with myself. I got peace with my problems. Because I'm in this place of intimacy with God and it counts for something. Does this do something for you? Well, let's pray and we'll move on out of here. Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your word, the scripture, and what it tells us about you. And how it introduces us into a closer relationship with you. And we want that. Lord, we, we just open our hearts to you this morning. And, and we've, we've looked at a lot of stuff. I've, I've brought a lot of data today. Uh, Lord, don't let it just kind of be something that blows over us. But take the, take the sticking points. The point of, of, of having been without God and without hope. And having now come to a place where we are children of God. And the Spirit is telling us that deep in our heart. And where we can, we can grow and be led by the Spirit. And we can be led into the treasure house that you have for us. Lord, help us to get that and to move in it. And to begin to, 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 to pray more openly and with more courage. And, and, to, and not to feel like sub-Christians. Lord, to know that you're going to answer our prayers. That you care about us. In Jesus' name. I want you to keep your eyes closed for a moment. And I know I didn't say much of anything about how to become a Christian or why or any of that. But if, if you're sitting here and the Lord has you primed and you're ready to say, I want to change allegiance. I want to put my allegiance in the Lord. I want to be born over again. I want to be adopted into God's family. I'd like to lead you in a short prayer to tell him that. It's interesting. That's all it takes is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, a decision of your will and communication with God that we call prayer. I'll pray out loud. You pray silently. But if you're going to pray with me, 
I want you to tell me that we're praying together. And, and the way I want you to tell me that is everybody else has their eyes closed. I, we're going to pray in 30 seconds. But between now and then, if you're going to pray with me, I want you to look at me. And that's the signal that you're going to join me in this prayer. Good. Okay, pray this prayer with me. Silently, but pray it. God, all I can say is I'm coming home to you. I want you to be my father. I want you to be my dad. Um, and I want all your love, all your goodness, all your peace in my life. I have nothing to offer you but me. I can't even promise you I'll be good. All I can promise you is I swear my allegiance to you and I want to follow you. And I ask you by the blood of Christ to forgive my sins and to, to make me into the person that you want me to be, that I would grow up in you as your child and that I would have your treasure open to me at the treasury of heaven. Lord, I want to live with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 